Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Tuesday, September 15 of 2020. What a delight to have each and every one of our listeners join us once again as we study the Word of God today. And we are so excited to be with you today on this um, on this Tuesday and to be able to reflect, to analyze, to study the Word of God. I don't want to uh, let this moment pass us by. I just want to take a moment. We want to take a moment just to honor our brother Marty. I hope he doesn't mind me saying it, but today, but it's his birthday. And uh, just how uh, we want to wish brother Marty a happy birthday. <laughs> he, uh, he means so much. Amen. He means so much to us. Uh, and, uh, and I'll let you say something too, brother Fernando, if you want to say something. But brother Marty uh, uh, has meant, uh, so much since the moment God placed it, placed him and his family in our lives. Uh, I tell you, we've never been the same. Uh, it, it's taken us to another level in in, in seeking uh, the face of God. And we are so so honored, Brother Marty, and, and grateful that uh, God has given you another year of life and to be able to be uh, do this podcast together and, and really do what God has called us to do. So we want to Wish you a happy birthday, Brother Marty. I don't know if you want to say some words, Brother Fernando, also. <laughs> Amen. The, the young man never ceases to amaze me. Amen. <laughs> so we, we we have a little inside joke amongst ourselves before uh, the podcast. They call me the old man, being the youngest. Oh, man. And uh, <laughs> uh, Brother Marty is, is uh, he knows, he knows he, he's, he means a lot to my life, to my family. Uh, got brothers, brothers in, in the Lord that uh, uh, the Lord foreknew in his foreknowledge connected us with such a time as this. And uh, uh, honestly, all, all, all three of us, Brother Jeremiah as well, uh, we're, we're connected for such a time as this. And it's a pleasure to be uh, laboring uh, side by side with with uh, Brother Marty and Pastor Jeremy, uh, but it is Brother Marty's birthday today, so we're honoring him and thanking the Lord for the testimony, the testimony that he is uh, of the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, Brother Marty, happy birthday. We love you, and uh, mm. looking forward to this podcast. Uh, I know I know this is where you want to be, <laughs> you know, saying <laughs> the word of God. So, Amen. Praise God. Well, there's a lot of... Go, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say. I, I don't. I, I, at first, I was wondering who y'all were talking about, but uh, with all exactly. the <laughs> 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 oh, praise God, Amen. Well, y'all ready? But, yeah, we're ready. We're ready to get in the Word. You know, yesterday we we started off. Uh, man, what a tremendous uh, a study we had. I got a chance to. Uh, you know, just retract a little bit and, and see a little bit of, uh, and, and hear the podcast this morning. And uh, just all the things that we were able to glean from it uh, was was powerful. And if you didn't hear yesterday's podcast, I think it's important, especially Mondays. All podcasts are important, but Mondays is where we lace groundwork and foundation, mm-hmm. and it's what propels mm-hmm. us through the week. And, and it sets the tone. And man, it was uh, just amazed at the uh, at at all the things that uh, we were gleaning from this chapter, and so I'm excited. I know we're all excited 
about what God uh, is going to show us today. So uh, as you have heard, our panel today is joined by Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, and as always, it is a pleasure and an honor to be able to study the Word of God together. I never get tired of saying that, especially in such a time like this. You better be connected, amen, with people of the Word. Hallelujah. And yeah. so, uh, Brother Marty, uh, leave it to you, and uh, I think it's very special, shows your heart that even on your birthday, uh, that's secondary to you right now, you love the Word of God, and we love it too. So, Brother Marty, we'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're glad that everybody's joining us again today, and we're looking forward to continuing our study in uh, Psalm 74. And really, that's led us to begin to examine, you know, what led uh, Asaph, who wrote Psalm 74, what what was the components and the and the issues and and the circumstances surrounding his life. We kind of regressed and began to dig into uh, what led to his position uh, in the uh, in the house of God. And what's unique about Asaph is that, as we began to see yesterday, is that he was present uh, at the establishment of the uh, the tabernacle of David in Jerusalem and became the chief caretaker of the, of the Ark of the Covenant of God, him and his brothers. And what makes it unique is that he not only witnessed David's tabernacle being erected, the procession of the Ark being brought into Jerusalem, and then being handed over the keys, if you will, uh to 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 taking care of the ark of the covenant on a daily basis him and his brothers the bible tells us but he also lived into the time of the completion of the temple of solomon which is very very profound and prophetic and it's quite possible that that 74th psalm was written at that time and what he witnessed and what he saw uh in the spirit um uh in 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 the construction of the temple of solomon there's so many ways and, and directions we could go as we continue to examine. But in our studies this morning, we came across uh, further things that we want to look at um, and glean as it pertains to David, to, to, to Asaph, and to Obed-Edom, because that's where the ark came. And those of you that were with us yesterday, uh, we, we looked and, and considered some things as how David brought the ark to Jerusalem and the events that surrounded it because they're very much uh, prophetic types and parallels for our time as well. At least we can glean uh, information, uh, you know, that, that that can be applied to our times and the things that we're experiencing now. But I believe it's much deeper than that. and We're going to continue to look at that because where we're headed this week ultimately is to complete Psalm 74, which is a prophetic psalm written by Asaph. But I think as we look at the background um, and continue to glean from that background, we're going to see what what kind of things the Holy Spirit were, was able to develop within Asaph in order to bring him to that place of uh, of becoming uh, someone who was able to write scripture, prophetic scripture, 12 in all, some say 15, but at least 12 Psalms were written by Asaph, all of them containing a great prophetic insight. And there's a reason for that. Because when he came to take possession of the ark, when David uh, entrusted him with that most sacred of places, David did something, um, and, and and that's what we're going to look at today. 
we'll, we'll, we'll review a little bit of what we looked at yesterday, but we're going to, we're going to focus on what David did and, and how that happened. And with that in mind, those of you that are listening, we encourage you again, continue to listen to this series on Psalm 74 and uh, go back and listen to Mondays. If you haven't listened to it, uh, take out your Bibles and sit down as we, as we explore the word of God. I'm going to have brother Jeremy begin our study today, reading two scriptures from, from first Chronicles chapter 7 i mean excuse me chapter uh, 16 verse 7 and then brother jeremy if you could uh read in addition uh first chronicles 16 verse 37 but first chronicles 16 verse 7 first chronicles 16 verse 37 and we'll get into the word today and uh we pray you're blessed as we read the word of god this morning and study in jesus name amen 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 verse 7 then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hands of Asaph and his brethren. Verse 37. So he left there before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, Asaph and his brethren, to minister before the ark continually as every day's work required. Praise God. So like we've been exploring, uh, and, and I really like that phrase, and maybe this is what we'll title this study today in verse 7. It says, then on that day. Then on that day. So the Holy Spirit is drawing our attention to a particular day. It says, David delivered first. The first thing he did on that day when they set the ark in place was to thank the Lord, and he gave a psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brothers. So it, we're, we're looking at David, we're looking at Asaph. Today we'll also look at Obed-Edom before we get to, to the conclusion of our study. But the very first thing David does is he turns to Asaph and hands him a psalm. And, 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 and we're looking at Asaph because this, this is incredible to me. It, it, it's the king. And he's entrusting Asaph as 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 the head over the tabernacle of David, and he hands him a psalm, and we'll look at what that psalm was in a second here, uh, or or at least we can talk about it, because where you'll find what what is about to be written, because it's recorded here in Chronicles from verse eight all the way through uh, verse thirty six, it actually comprised three separate psalms as they would make their way into the psalms. One is Psalm 105, one is Psalm 96, and and a portion of Psalm 106, verse 47 and 48, can be found in verses 35 and 36. And so <clears throat> it's important to note that, keep that in the back of your mind. We'll return to it in a second. So like we said, as we've been exploring Psalm 74 and have been focused on Asaph, uh, we need to remember he was selected by King David to minister before the ark. In the new tent, in the new tabernacle uh, that David set up, and we talked about this yesterday, there were actually, and most people don't realize this, there were actually two tabernacles existing in, in Israel at the time of King David's reign, and they remained that way for almost 40 years, actually about 47 years, uh, because after the decease of David, Solomon set about to build the house of the Lord which would take an additional seven years before the actual temple was created on Mount Moriah 
in Jerusalem. <clears throat> so this means that these two tabernacles had actually been set up and became chief uh, uh, locations where God was being worshipped. What's interesting, as we talked about yesterday, is how King David, <laughs> we, we called it spiritual audacity, if you actually think about it. He went and took the Ark of the Covenant that which only was allowed to exist in the Holy of Holies in Moses' tabernacle, he went and took that, which was no longer in Moses' tabernacle, by the way. It was in the house of, uh, in the city of Kirjath-Jerim, in the house of Abinadab, which we'll discuss here briefly in a second. But he goes, and his intent is to take it, and and he ultimately ends up setting up a completely new sanctuary for it. And 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 that's interesting. Now keep that in the back of your head because there are many, many reasons that happened. Many reasons that David was moved upon by the Spirit to do this. And, and, and I don't want to get too far off the path right off the bat because we're going to discuss that. But like I said, yesterday we discussed King David bringing the Ark to Jerusalem. And as we saw, he was unsuccessful in his first attempt. And, and remember, David spent 90 days after that seeking the Lord. And, and he discovered the due order. That's how he put it, the due order, uh, in which the ark, the presence of the Lord, was going to be carried to Jerusalem. And, and Brother Jeremy, you said something yesterday that, that uh, today, this morning in my in my reviewing these things and, and, and preparing today's uh, subject and, and message we were going to talk about, you shared yesterday a really great insight, something I hadn't considered, but something I believe the Lord moved on you to talk about, because really what it did was was bring to attention something very interesting and very prophetic. You talked about the 90 days that David spent after the uh, the incident with Uzzah where he died trying to steady the ark, uh, the Bible tells us that the ark came to rest in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And we'll, dis we'll discuss that in a second here. But, but it was a 90-day period that David would go back to Jerusalem and begin the process of seeking uh, to, to find out what they needed to do to get the presence of the Lord uh, into the kingdom and, and to establish it in Jerusalem, the city of David. And you talked about those 90 days representing a season. That's what you said, which is really powerful because that's right. Um, the three months and, 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 and the year, as we know, is right, is broken up into four seasons. So we know here by the Holy Spirit then what we're being shown, and I think that's what God was moving on your heart, um, it is to see that that Something profound took place if we consider it, and we'll talk about it in a second, but a season in which publicly the ark was removed and hidden away for a season while the king goes and tries to learn how to bring the presence to Jerusalem. And we'll, we'll explore that a little further as it pertains to prophetic parallels, but in many ways, we should also learn from King David's example, right? Like Brother Fernando said yesterday, if we have eyes to see, King David reveals to us how the presence of the Lord has to be sought and has to be cared for. And I believe your words yesterday, Brother Fernando, was was uh, 
that these are very, very holy things that we're discussing right now, bringing the presence of the Lord. Can you share a little bit about, again, review what you said yesterday when you talked about just how profound it was what King David did in that he, he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant when it finally came, uh, accompanied by music and other things. Uh, can you just share a little bit what you were thinking about yesterday again? Yeah, well, this is uh, where David is, is going to establish the kingdom to heights that Israel had never, and to this day, hasn't seen, um, you know, uh, since or, or, or before. And, but it, it, he, he, the first thing he thinks about, which is incredible, uh, as he's about to establish, you know, the kingdom of Israel, uh, is he says, how can I bring the ark of the Lord to me? He's more interested in the presence of God more than anything. And, you know, in, in his zeal and in his pursuit for the things of God, uh, obviously, he goes about it uh, the wrong way the first time, right? And, and it causes yeah. the death of a man. And that's really, <laughs> that's really why I said these are holy things we're dealing with. Because yeah. if we manipulate or handle the presence of God in, in, in such a relaxed way or attitude, uh, then it can bring about death not just to the person who's trying to handle the presence of God, but those who are under that kind of ministry, right? So we're yeah. dealing with holy things here, and, and we see to, to David's credit, and that's why he's called the man after God's own heart. He goes back to the word of God, because that's where we find the answers. And, and like mm -hmm. you said, for 90 days, he, he, he begins to search out, wait a minute, we've been going about it all wrong. You know, and, and yeah. he realizes that it was the, the, the Levites, the type of, of me and you today in these last days that are supposed to bear uh, the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant. Obviously, it, it speaks of Christ, of course, but it, it also speaks of the church in, in the last days um, and, yes. and, and so forth and so on. So these are holy things that we're dealing with, and we ought to pay very close attention to what the Lord is saying to us today. Amen. And that made me think about, uh, you said it caused the death of a man. The same thing happened in the early church, right? Uh, when, right. When you consider, right, with, with what was Ananias and Sapphira, right? Sapphira, yeah. Yes. Uh, Peter talked about when they, what did he say? They, you know, what made you think you could lie to the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. and, it, and it cost them their lives. We learned from that quite possibly that, this is also uh, in the spirit of, of these men who attempted to bring the Ark of the Covenant out and bring it to Jerusalem with David the first time. And I think that that's important to consider because uh, concerning the 90 days, again, Brother Jeremy, like you shared, that, that's a season. That's, that's, that's literally a season of time. And the, and the Holy Spirit is very specific in letting us know it was a 90-day period. And, I, and this is how the Spirit of God talks to us. You know, it, it, we have to look for the deeper truths. And, and, and uh, he quickened you yesterday in thinking of that, Brother Jeremy, because we have to understand what is being said here. David went away for a season, uh, a three-month period. And, and it, it is, uh, it's a very much a, a prophetic parallel we search for the spirit of prophecy because that is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so we look for Jesus in these things and the prophetic parallels that were occurring. 
David going away for a season, and, and, and like we said, there's many prophetic parallels to the story of what happened when the ark was brought to Jerusalem. Let's talk about this again, just briefly. In the first attempt, like we were just talking about, what Brother Fernando was talking about, we see that a judgment fell, right, on the grand procession, if you will, this this great and, and mighty procession that David had attempted at first to bring the ark uh, under great fanfare. But at, if we dig deeper and and we we apply these these history lessons, because the Bible talks about declaring the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, it is very much uh, like what is happening to the church in the United States right now under this global system that's trying to emerge under the under the great uh, examination that's taking a place because that's really what happened if you think about it we had a transition of leadership taking place if you think about it brothers because what we're told in the history books is that in the scriptures is that that Saul and Jonathan suffered a great defeat king Saul he fell on the, on the mountains of Gilboa and and suddenly Israel uh was without leadership it was the passing of one house and the opening of another house. It would be King David uh, that they sought after and and, uh, and and attempted to make him the king, which they ended up doing. They anointed him to be the king. And then in David's attempt to do something uh, like we looked at yesterday that he understood was going to be the chief thing that he needed. Brother Jeremy, can you read that again uh, to us? In, in, First Chronicles uh, chapter 13. Look what David did, and we'll discuss it again because it's important. There's much more to see here. First uh, Chronicles 13, verse 1 through 3, and we'll see what David did. Yes. And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. It's quite a testimony there that so much is revealed there because we're talking about a nation is about to be examined. It's a nation of of, of Judah and Israel that, that claims to be, and they were, uh, the selected chosen people of God. They were the caretakers of the presence of God. Now, remember what resulted in King Saul coming to power to begin with was the passing away of the prophetic ministry of Samuel. And as he got older... Uh, we, we have revealed in the scriptures that his sons, who had been appointed to be judges throughout Israel, became corrupted. And they were the ones, Samuel's sons, that is, were the ones that were taking bribes as they were passing judgments, uh, you know, in, in the legal cases that were brought before them. They were bribed. They were corrupted. And so the people went to Samuel and said, your sons are messed up, man, and uh, and, and you're getting ready to die. Uh, and uh, And so... And so they said, we want a king, remember? 
they began to clamor for a king. And Samuel wept over this. And, 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 uh, and, and God appeared to Samuel and told him, it is not you that they're rejecting, Samuel. They're rejecting me from ruling over right. them. They want to be like all the other nations of the world. And so that is how Saul came to power. And we know the story. We ain't got time to get into all that today. But basically, he became a compromised king. And here we have David's testimony, which they all agreed to in verse 3. He says, uh, and let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we did not inquire, uh, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. That's incredible. Right. Think of, think of what caused the nation to have this great defeat to begin with when their king would be slaughtered. He actually committed suicide, but the armies were scattered and, and uh, Jonathan uh, was was killed along with his father in that battle. Uh, think of that, that that nation for almost 40 years was led by leadership that found no value in in seeking the presence of God. That's what David said. We did not inquire at all, he said, in all in the days of Saul. And so David understood something very profound, and that is that no nation can hope to have blessing, nor wisdom, counsel, or understanding without having God at the central focus of all that it does, all that it attempts to do. And so his heart was right. He begins to seek and begins to lead the people. And there was something here in verse 2, as you read, Brother Jeremy, as well, where it says, um, it gives the list. Uh, can you read verse 2 again? Yes. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, if it seem good unto you, and that and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves. Unto us. That's interesting because yesterday, if you remember, Brother Jeremy, when we were looking at what ended up happening, and then when David, uh, you know, goes back and begins to search and to seek information as to what, where did we go wrong and what do we need to do um, to bring the presence of God to Jerusalem, uh, he 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 seems to have, in 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 a gentle way, rebuked the Levites, right? Can you read that to us yes. in verse uh, chapter 15, verse 12, when he's talking to the Levites? Yes. What did he say to them? He told them and said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. Why? Verse 13. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought not, for we sought him not after the due order. That's incredible, because in verse 2 of chapter 13, what you just read is that he had gathered those Levites from everywhere. It says right there that, the, you know, gather the people that are left in the land of Israel with them also to the priests and the Levites which are in their cities and suburbs, that we 
that that they may gather themselves unto us. So he put out a call to them. And so yeah. what you pointed out, yes, right? <laughs> and so there seems to have been a failure here of 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 ministry and ministry leadership. That's what David goes on to tell him. You didn't handle it. And so this has happened to us. But we're going to put things together. He said we. He takes responsibility himself. None of us were prepared. And it's really interesting. It's just very interesting, the attitudes and the things that were surrounding the bringing forth of the ark. Are you going to say something? Yes, Brother Marty, uh, and correct me if I got my numbers wrong. I believe, uh, didn't King Saul reign for 22 years? Is that correct? I'm that's what not I, that's sure. What I but uh, what my, po- my was... whole point is that w- yes. what we do know for sure is that the ark had been in uh, a, what's his name again a a a for 20 years for 20 years yes. yes yes it it had it had been not touched and left there for 20 years yes. so if i'm correct you know whether he, whether he reigned for more or what uh out of those 20 years we out of the 20 years of his kingdom we know for sure that ark was left um by itself Right. Yes. And which brings us to the time that we're we are talking about today, which is um, you know, of David wanting to bring it back. So it tells us that tells us if it, for twenty years of the kingdom of Saul's kingdom, King Saul's kingdom, it was just there. It was not attended to, and in in many sense, uh, in many we see now what we're reading right now. The Levites are scattered, right, in, in their cities yes. and suburbs. And David has to summon them now. Yeah, you know, uh, s- summon them, and I-, I see a lot of parallels. I don't want to get too deep into this in in terms of today, but I think it's interesting. It was left for twenty years. It just sat there. Yes, absolutely. That's an important point, and that is what we're reexamining because this is the crucial moment in the history of the of the nation. It's a transition. And 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 what is what is being brought out here is is what David uh, you know uncovers here for us in the Scripture by the Spirit. The recorder of the Chronicles says that in all the days of Saul of that administration, right, uh, of that leadership, uh, they did not seek the presence of the Lord. And and what that led to is incredibly uh, insightful when we dig into it. Uh, it. Is is the destruction of the royal house of Saul? It cost him. And his son, and his lineage, and and it, it might also, if you think about it, um, have contributed over those twenty years. How many times did we see Saul fail? We did a, po- a whole podcast series on on his failure, right, to to destroy Amalek and so forth and so on. You know, his refusal to obey the Lord consistently, ultimately leading to him consulting a witch near the end of his life. Remember, calling up the uh, prophet Samuel who had passed away uh, because he had no voice of God. It just shows uh, no voice or no direction from God. It just shows you how in disarray the ministry had come. Because you remember, brothers, uh, Samuel, the prophet, was raised in Shiloh. His his yes. father Elkanah and his mother Hannah had, had uh, sought God. Hannah had sought God uh, for uh, for the condition of the nation, really. She wanted a son. She was barren, the Bible tells us, 
but the condition of the nation, which is where the tabernacle of Moses originally was, was in the was in the city of Shiloh, which happened to be the uh, capital city of the tribe of of uh, the territorial uh, land of of Ephraim. Remember, who was of Ephraim was Joshua, and Joshua, when he led the children of Israel into the promised land. They came to rest after apportioning out the different territorial boundaries of the 12 tribes of Israel. They came to rest in the tribe of Ephraim in a city called Shiloh. And it's there that they pitched the tent of Moses, which they had created in the wilderness all those generations before, that generation before. And and what grew up around Shiloh uh, was an entire temple complex and structure. And at the center of that structure was the tabernacle of of Moses and and that's where the ark was and then when you get into first uh, Samuel I believe it's first Samuel ch- uh, chapter uh, 4 we have uh, the description of how uh, Eli's two corrupted sons uh, brought the ark of the covenant out of the holy of holies and took it into the field of battle right where it's described there uh, that after suffering an initial loss on the battlefield of some 4,000 people, which those of you listening, you can research that in 1 Samuel. Uh, chapter 1 through 4 gives an account of all this. How the ministry itself had already been corrupted. It had been some 400-something years by this time. By the time that Elkanah and Hannah, that you'll read about in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and then the birth of Samuel the prophet, uh, who would basically be used of God to pronounce judgment upon the high priest of that time, Eli, and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. So corrupt had it become there that we are told that that the uh, the women uh, were being abused by the priesthood. They were there was rampant drunkenness. Uh, the establishment religion there of the house of Eli had made it so that people hated going to the house of God because they would steal their offerings and stuff. I mean, it sounds a lot like the day, right? So it was it was in this climate, man, that that Israel went out to battle and the account of that battle in in first Samuel chapter four, I believe it is, um, reveals that, yeah, that they had, uh, they lost in their first battle and they lost 4,000 men. So rather than seeking God over this initial strike that came against the nation, uh, they, they doubled down their efforts and they sent for the ark as if it was going to be some sort of bright, uh, uh, you know, uh, a game changer in the battle, right? Like some new technology they were going to bring out to the field of battle. And that's what they did. They brought that ark out and uh, in, in absolute rebellion. But you see, we see the same thing happening in, in the attitude of a Hophni and Phinehas in the house of Eli that we see later when David goes and tries to bring that ark to Jerusalem in that it's under the control of Uzzah and Ahio out of the house of Abinadab, which is where it came to rest. Because if you remember the story, right, brothers, uh, when they came the second time to bring the ark, not only uh, did Israel suffer a huge loss and the troops scattered, but the priesthood itself suffered death in that uh, uh, Hophni and Phinehas were, were both killed, right? Yes. That's where we get that famous uh, that famous story of, of one of the priests, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, uh, his wife was pregnant. She gave birth at the news that her husband had been slain and she named her child. Uh, Ichabod, right? The glory has departed from the nation. And so the Philistines took the ark captive and and uh, and Shiloh would eventually be burnt to the ground. 
Remember, we've been talking about Jeremiah in previous podcasts. When he mentioned to Jerusalem all those years later, just before the wrath of God was going to be poured out, Nebuchadnezzar would solidify his kingdom and, and a great captivity would take place years later. But uh, we're told there by Jeremiah to Jerusalem, don't think that you're immune from the judgment of God because uh, remember Shiloh when, when it suffered great destruction because of its rebellion. Well, it's at that point that what appears to happen is that the caretakers of the tabernacle of Moses took the tent itself, which included the brazen altar and the brazen labor, and the construction of the inner workings of the Holy of Holies, and they set it up in the mountains of Gilboa. All those years later, it, it continued there. However, the ark was taken captive by the Philistines, and they suffered all kinds of crazy stuff, right, because they had the ark. You know, God struck them with all kinds of plagues and stuff, and they finally sent it back. They sent the ark back into Israel on a new cart. This is interesting. That's <laughs> what it says. And and it was being driven by two two uh, two cows, right? And they brought the ark back to Israel, and that's how it came into Israel. They made the mistake of opening the ark and looking into it. It cost the lives of thousands of people. And and so finally, the ark came to rest in Kirjath Jerim. And we're going to look at that real quick here in a second. But it made its way into the house of Abinadab. And and that's where it would stay, like you said, Brother Jeremy, probably for about 20-plus years. It stood in that house. So we see the judgment fell upon this grand procession when David began to try and bring the ark up, as we talked about yesterday. And in many ways, and 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 the, and the truth, it, it was really a nation that was being examined at the transition from one royal house to the other. Something different was taking place. There are so many aspects and avenues we could look at in the prophetic parallels here, but let's just hone in on this. The nation itself was being examined. It was a time when a new king was had been crowned and, and was ascending to Jerusalem, and, and the city itself uh, would become the capital city. King David representing a type of Christ as we go along in this understanding, but but let's hone in on what is actually being revealed because a nation was about to be examined and it's much like what's happening. We're talking about the prophetic parallels that we see happening now in this compromised church in America. David knew that the presence had to be present. And so where that led him was to the house of Abinadab. And that's what we read in in, in, in First Chronicles 13, right? He goes to, to Abinadab's house and and uh and read verse five and 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 six and seven to us, would you brother jeremy in 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 first chronicles thirteen five six and seven okay. so David gathered all Israel together from Shihor of Egypt, even unto the entering of Hemath, to bring the ark of God from Ken- Kerjath Jerim. Yeah. And David went up in all Israel to Baalah, that is to Kerjath Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, the Lord, the ark of God, the Lord, that dwelleth between the cherubims, whose name is called on it. And they read verse 7. 
And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Hio, and Hio drave the carts. This is really interesting. Now let's just right. Let's just let's just focus on this real quick and see what we can see out of this. What we know from the story again, we're talking about how the ark came to rest in in Jerusalem. How it was finally made its way home to the tent that David created, a new tabernacle for it, and who he left in charge of it was Asaph. We're gonna get there, but let's let's not let's not skip over this without seeing further what else the Lord is revealing here. We just went through a brief history of how the ark came to be separated from the tabernacle of Moses. It was as a result of the corruption of the ministry after four hundred plus years of being in Shiloh which is where it originally came to rest. Under the leadership of Joshua, they pitched the tent of Moses there, and the ark was placed in the Holy of Holies. Over the subsequent centuries, an entire system and great temple complex was built in Shiloh in the northern part of Israel. That was the center of where they had uh, established a capital city for the nation at the time. And 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 and. Over the centuries, the ministry itself became corrupted, reaching a crescendo under the leadership of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas to where Shiloh itself would be destroyed and the ark itself would be taken and the tabernacle of Moses would be separated from it. We know from history and reading the Chronicles that the tabernacle of Moses came to rest in the hills of Gilboa, in the mountaintops, in the high places there, but that the ark itself over the years made its way uh, to Kirjath Jerem, and and a whole new, listen to this, a whole new religious establishment became the caretakers of the presence of God during the 20 years that Saul would ascend to the throne. It's interesting in verse 7, what Brother Jeremy points out is when that ark uh, came uh, originally to Kirjath Jerem, and when it, when it was uh, separated from the Philistines who had captured it all those years before it came to it came back to Israel on a new cart and so <clears throat> we know from David that that they didn't seek God after the proper order when he tried to bring the ark up and so what this implies to us and what this seems to inform us about is that along the way the priesthood the ministry itself uh, became void of proper understanding of how to take care not only of the vessels of the house of God, but the most holiest aspect of it, which represents God's throne and his presence in the earth as it is in heaven. And so when they bring this ark out of the house of Abinadab in verse 7, they carry the ark of God in a new cart. What this is telling us is, is that they are trying to do the same thing uh, in bringing the ark out as to how the ark was brought to them to begin with. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because when it came out of, let's take a look at that. Turn over there to 1 Samuel real quick so you know what. <laughs> I'm not talking about you, brothers. I know you do. I'm talking about the, those of you that are listening, so I'm not going to confuse you. When the ark was taken uh, in 1 Samuel, and, and Samuel... Uh, Samuel is the prophet. He he has grown up, so forth and so on. But the ark is taken and captured in that battle. Uh, can you read that, Brother Jeremy, to us? Um, 
in verse uh, 9, 10, and 11, chapter 4 of 1 Samuel, here's a description of how the ark was taken in that battle we've been describing. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought in Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent, and there was a very great slaughter. For there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. That's incredible. So, so first of all, we were talking about how the ark originally was in Shiloh. Could you read to us verse 4? Uh, and five, Brother Jeremy, and six. We should have just read it of chapter four. Okay, four, five, and six. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the Ark of the Lord was come into the camp. That's incredible because what what we what we read as you just read uh, nine ten and eleven is that it didn't matter, <laughs> right? And what we see here is a culture and a people, the Church of God of that time, under the leadership of a, of a compromised leadership, assuming that God was with them, shouting even. You know they're having camp meeting on the battlefield here. They think they're going to have a victory. <laughs> And and, uh, and 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 to think about the fact that they sang, they shouted so great, it says the earth rang again. It like literally shook the ground and caused some sort of reverberations, and and the Philistines actually heard it, and they understood that what they were shouting about was that the ark had come into the camp. This is a piece of furniture that that was legendary, right? I mean, they 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 knew about it throughout the centuries, really. It had it had been spoken of in, in all the heathen nations of the world. Uh, to them, who were incredibly idolatrous, this piece of furniture was, was just simply another idol. But to the people of God who understood, it, it was where the presence of God would manifest itself amongst the people uh, in the days of atonement, right? When the high priest would go in and offer the blood upon the mercy seat. Again, these are all subjects that we encourage you to study on your own. The point being is that we're looking at the we're tracing the ark and how it made it to that day where David would go get it is that after this battle uh in verse 10 it says the Philistines fought Israel was smitten and they fled every man to his tent and there fell a great slaughter 30,000 men i find that really interesting don't you because that's the yeah. same exact amount that David used to go bring the ark to Jerusalem isn't that interesting uh, right? He it's sent 30,000. 
Yeah, he sent 30,000 soldiers to pick up the Ark, and they had 30,000 soldiers die when the Ark was originally taken and captured. Because that's what's revealed here in verse 11, the Ark was taken. Now, when the Ark was taken, a whole bunch of bad things began to happen, as we know, right? Uh, and then I believe it's in, 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 uh, in chapter 6. It comes to the house of Dagon. They put it in their house. All that stuff happens, right? The idol falls and breaks and the great God of the Philistines and all that. So they went through heck having that, <laughs> having the ark in their midst. And we don't have time to get into all that. But what I want to show you is that when they finally decided uh, to, to get rid of it, uh, they put it on an ark, I mean, on a, on a cart. And, and let's read this in verse 11 through 14. Would you, Brother Jeremy, chapter 5? I mean, chapter 6, verse 11 through 14. Mm -hmm. They laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart, and the coffer with the mice of gold and the images of their emeralds. And the kind took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh, and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left, and the lords of the Philistines went after them unto the border of Beth Shemesh. And they of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. 14. And then verse 14. Yes. Uh -huh. And the cart came into the field of Joshua, a Beth Shemite and stood there where there was a great stone and they clave the wood of the cart and offered the kind a burnt offering unto the lord and then the levites take down the ark and the coffer that was with it were the jewels of gold and so forth and so on and they offered sacrifices to the lord so the ark comes to rest there but then they they showed disrespect for it but what what they what they what they noted was that the ark was sent to them on a cart, right? Verse 14, and the cart came to the field of Joshua. I don't have time. There is so much here that we could get into. We ain't got time to get into it. But when you when you think about the, the time that, that the ark came, it came during the harvest, right? The wheat harvest. And and these are all prophetic types and, and, and things that speak of the coming of the Lord and presence of the lord and all the things that are going to happen uh but once the 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 men of uh, beth shemesh saw it uh they decided to to open the ark and look inside of it read verse 19 would you brother jeremy yes it says and he smote the men of beth shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the lord even he smote of the people fifty thousand and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. Think of that. 50,070 people died that day. 50,000, man. <laughs> Looking into the ark, man. That's insane. The presence of the Lord, right? It must be handled in the right way. And this is where it finally became separated from the tabernacle of Moses. It was already separated, but they didn't take it back to Moses' tabernacle. When this great slaughter 
uh, took place, what did they do in verse 21? What did they do? It says, and they went and they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath-Jerim, saying, the Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to you. And then read verse 1 of chapter 7. And the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass that while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim, that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And so here we go. We have an indication of what happened and how it came to Kirjath-Jerim, and how it came to rest in the noble house, as we know, of Abinadab. So again, what we're focusing on here is that judgment would fall on the nation twice now. All of it involved in the ark. 50,000 men would lose their lives when it came back. And it comes to rest for over 20 years. Think about that. And then an additional 20, right? Because they were soon to crown a king. They would repent of their sins. Samuel would anoint a king as we go on into the story. But the point of the matter is, is this is how it came to be in Abinadab's house. And what's unique and interesting to glean from is to understand the progression of the presence, which is the Ark of the Covenant, and how it went from one corrupt ministry to another place, and, and how that caused them to, to have this attitude of, of becoming the caretakers of the presence of God. They were not the ones that God wanted to have the presence of God. And nobody seemed right. to step up and say, hey, this presence actually belongs in the tabernacle of Moses, right? Nobody did it. They all failed. And it really is the progression of a nation that will ultimately culminate with the death of King Saul. And, and then David's pursuit of the presence after all those years. And so like we just read, it's in Abinadab's house. And when David finally gets to that point where he's going to come bring it back, we see that, that, it, that, that there are three people that come out, uh, and, or at least there are identified by the Lord, three, three, three particular names. Let's read that again, Brother Jeremy. I'm sorry. You know, this is just Please, too good um... to... <laughs> to go by first first chronicles 13 it's, again it's amazing brother marty because we're, we're talking about asaph right and the psalms yes and you know we see in the psalms the quality of revelation and presence um that's what we that's what we find the songs that's what's written there uh, when yeah. the presence of god is brought back in proper order that's where we're heading, right? Yes, that, sir. That, that's what's taking place right now. And, mm -hmm. and, and and that's why the Lord is allowing his word to open up, I feel, like never before. Because yes. remember this, you just spoke about an incredible history starting from uh, Hannah, right? And, and, and if you, you know, First Samuel, mm -hmm. Hannah's prayer was a psalm. Yes, it was. It, was, <laughs> it, was, it started off with a psalm. 
And and, mm-hmm. and I remember you preaching a message uh, years ago. It was called Transcending Your Personal Desire. Mm-hmm. Hannah wanted a son for her own maybe selfish reasons. I mean, I wouldn't say selfish. Every mother wants a, a child, right? It, right. It was her, her personal desire. But the Lord was trying to show her something more deeper that the son that she was asking for wasn't just for herself. It was a prophetic voice to bring about a correction and ultimately anoint David, Mm -hmm. you know, to this madness and this this kind of ministry that was uh, alive and well in her day, you know, with with, uh, Eli and and his two sons, and which ultimately led to the Ark of the Covenant being uh, uh, taken by the enemy, right, and so forth and so on, And and the abuse of the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God the misunderstanding of, of, of knowing how to use it, you know, uh, properly, right? So it led to all these things you spoke about, but it started with a psalm, a deep intercession of a woman who transcended her personal desire, and, and the Lord showed her, listen, the son I'm going to give you, it's it, 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 it needed for this need. That son is needed for the nation right now. Wow. You know, that kind of prophetic ministry is needed for the nation right now. And, and so, you know, Samuel uh, uh, is born, and, and all these things begin to transpire, right? Which, again, it's all leading to, to David asking the question, how will the ark of the Lord come to me? And ultimately him choosing uh, these men who, who know how to handle the, the, the presence of God. All this is a pattern of what I believe is taking place today. It is taking place today. That's powerful what you're mentioning there because um, you know what you were making me think of there was when ha- how the Spirit of the Lord moves throughout history and and how he moved upon Hannah's heart uh, when she saw the corruption in the house of the Lord, uh, how he used circumstances to bring her to that place. He was the one who withheld her womb, the Bible says in First Samuel chapter 1. He was the one who purposely closed her womb because what she was going to give birth to, like you said so well, Brother Fernando, was a a prophet to the nations, a a prophet to the nations, and and also a prophet to Israel, uh, which would bring correction to the nation. It's incredible because uh, it, it shows also that her son Samuel, he was going to be the one who would anoint King David to be the king, right? He's a foreshadow in right. many ways of of, of the uh, John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist, yeah. right? And and even in Hannah's prayer, and we encourage you to go back and and study that. Those of you who are listening and interested in studying these things, you look at in First Samuel chapter one, when when uh, or chapter two, I think it is when she finally has Samuel. She breaks out into this psalm, like Brother Fernando was saying. I think it's 14 verses long. But she actually saw yeah. in the birth of her son the second coming of the Lord and the establishment right. of the church. It's incredible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She saw, yeah. she saw like Asaph saw. Yes. You know? Right. That's good. And, she, really and, good. and this cry, this cry was uh, um, Cain. If you read the last verse of the book of Judges, everyone did as they pleased. So this cry came out of a necessity. You know, mm-hmm. you think about it, where the church has been the last 20 years, 
you know, uh, the way we've been acting, you know, it, it's, we've come mm-hmm. to the place where it, it has caused uh, the Hannahs, right, per se, to call yeah. out for a word because that's what's, what's missing in the days of the of the judges, you know, and it's what caused her to ask God, not just a child, just to have a man-child, but for that reason alone, you know, one, she saw the corruption is what I'm trying to say. She saw the yeah. corruption. She saw the, uh, how the, the sons of Eli were acting and so forth and, and what was happening. And, and not just that, it was causing the people to have to, the Bible says, uh, to abhor the sacrifices, to abhor, mm-hmm. you know, um, these very sacred things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's powerful. Incredible. Yeah. And, and, and we're seeing the progression of God's presence in these histories, you know, these, these, these accounts of, of what we're seeing here uh, amongst the people of God and their parallels are striking like you're, you, you both are talking about. And so it brings us to the focus of how the ark came to rest in Abinadab's house. And when David brings him out, uh, bring, goes to bring the ark out in verse 7 of chapter 13 of First Chronicles, it says they carried the ark of God in a new cart. And and that really strikes my spirit because that is how the ark came back to Israel. It was in a new cart, right? They had put it in a cart. And and uh, <laughs> that is the Philistines, right, when they sent it away. And so they assumed uh, the presence of God uh, was going to be carried the same way to Jerusalem. It's incredible when you think about it, because you're looking at transition not only of leadership but of ministry, and 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 the lack thereof. David called the Levites on the carpet the second time they brought up the ark before then and, and revealed to them, you know, you were there, but you were so deficient in your level of understanding of the presence of God that it created a breach. It allowed the spirit of, of death to come and grip the nation, really, uh, as it was examined. God will always examine those who carry his presence. But what we see, if we're looking deeper now, stay with us, those of you that are listening. You've been with us long enough to know how the Lord causes us to think. So listen, what we're seeing as we dig deeper now is when David goes to take it, it is, it is a nation being examined. They had been holding on to this presence. And Brother Jeremy, read read to us, if you would, again. Uh, let's see. Verse 7. Would you read that again? Yes. And they, carried, and they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab in Usa and uh, Ahil. Drave yes. the cart. So what we have a picture here is it comes out of the house of Abinadab. It is Uzzah who's walking alongside of it. We know because he he's the one who lifts his hand to steady it once it gets to the threshing floor. And it is Ahio who drives the cart or drives the cart. He's out in front of it, which is really interesting because it paints a picture for us in the lives of these men of of exactly how the presence of God was being handled and 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 what the the house of Abinadab from which house the ark came out of 
was like. And as we looked at yesterday, so not only was a nation being examined, but the ministry, the establishment was being examined. Those, and I call them the establishment because they were the ones that were, <laughs> that were uh, taking care of the ark for all those years. And how they come out and who the Holy Spirit identifies as being the ones that were, that were you know, proceeding with it reveals very much in their time incredible parallels to our time and quite possibly some insight into what we see happening as it relates to the church in the United States of America and the West now. Because what we see is that it was, first, it was, that, it was all it was all performing based, based brother. You know, the, the, the ark had been in their house for all these years. Yeah. Never once has they ever, you know, uh, paid it any attention. At the moment, mm-hmm. you know, there's this huge gathering. They put on this religious performance, like, like you know, like they cared for it. You know, and the truth yeah. of the matter is, they never did. Right. They never did. And it's a picture of exa- the very same thing we do. You know, mm-hmm. when the lights come on, when the cameras come on, oh, yeah. okay, it's, it's performance time. Let's put on yeah, a big like, show. Mm-hmm. Right? And, yes, and everybody's yes. rocking and moving and praising God, but they don't see it. it it's going to cause a death. Mm-hmm. Right? Because right. They're, 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 they neglected the presence of God. Right. That's good. Yes, and and that's exactly right because because what we see is that again the three aspects that were about to be examined right where it came out of was Abinadab's house and as we looked at yesterday that's his name means nobility or royalty it it represents the establishment at a high level almost the unfolding because we gave you the brief history of of from the time it was in Shiloh until it came to this man's house over the decades. The presence, if you follow the presence of the trail, of the trail of the presence of God and how it came to rest in the house, it, it emerged out of a corrupt ministry in Shiloh, Eli, Hophni, Phineas, to the point that when the child was born, the wife of Phineas, it's declared that Ichabod has happened. That's what she named her baby, literally meaning that the glory has literally departed from the nation. We then see that the presence of the Lord goes and rests into the hands of the world, the Philistines, right? <laughs> it, 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 they, they, took, they took control of it, right. and they tried to make it an ecumenical thing, right? They brought it into the house of their god, Dagon, hmm. the fish god, right? And every time they set up the ark next to the Dagon god, every morning when they come into the temple, that, that fish head, his hands and his feet were cut off, right? And he's laying there. And and they got afraid, and but but the point is is that the presence of God came to rest in the temples of the world. It came to rest in the, in the territory of the Philistines, until okay. they could no longer abide it. Right, that that presence had to leave that place, and it had to be sent somewhere else. It came to rest in a new expression of the nation, <laughs> as the. Uh, I try so hard not to go too deep here, but but see, we're talking about our time. If yeah, you'll do yeah. a brief, right? If you do a brief study of how the presence of the Lord came to rest on the shores of the United States of America, 
you'll see an extensive history from the days of Constantine creating the Roman Catholic Church into the spread of, of, of Catholicism and then ultimately Protestant, Protestantism into the uh, Western Europe. And then from there, there's there's a, uh, you know, with the compromise and spread of the British Empire, who embraced all the gods of the nations that it went around, even though once it was a great caretaker and, and sender out of missionaries around the world, the presence left them. It was taken from them and came to rest. Ah, uh, how deep can we go, man? I mean, came to <laughs> it came to rest in the United States of America. And and uh, and 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 it, and and it, it began to be re 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 uh, re experienced, I guess you would say. And just keep that thought out to your heart. But what ended up happening is, as it it grew uh, and came to rest, it came to rest in establishment religion. And I'm fast forwarding and covering over decades and decades. But see, what I think is happening now is that is that this shutdown and and this closing of the churches and all the things we've ex experienced is the culmination of yeah. this presence of God being exclusively con controlled by establishment religion, Abinadab's house, nobility. All that's emerged from the denominational world to the media-driven, global, uh, media-driven, charismatic, and Pentecostal powers that be, they presume themselves to be the caretakers of the art. But something's happening, right? right? Mm -hmm. It is David, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is that is bringing that presence away from them. Now, before right. David became a perfect type of Christ... He first represents all of us because his his intention was right. I want to go get the presence of God. We've blown it, basically, is what he's saying. He knew enough and had a great spiritual quality about him, of course, that, that he knew he needed the ark. He needed the presence of God if he was ever going to be successful. Now, we're just looking at David the man here. But what's interesting to note is when they're bringing the presence of God out of the house of Abinadab, they're all into it including King David. But rather than coming down hard on him and the Levites and all them, we have to we have to look a little deeper here and say, why were they all into it? Why did they think it could come to Jerusalem that way? The reason is, is because that's the only way they had ever seen it done. You see, that's what you're talking about, Brother Fernando. Those who have taken captive the presence of God and the big show they put on, right? It's what's evolved in this 21st century, these mega churches, the performance of religion. Somebody speak to that a little bit, because that's what we're talking about here. That's Absolutely. why we see the craziness. The... Go ahead, Brother Fernando. I was going to say, the, the winds of doctrine, the Apostle Paul called it, right? The false mm -hmm. doctrines that, that came into the church, the the prosperity gospel, this hyper grace message, and and you go on and on and on. Uh, you know the people begin to 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 you know consume all these things to the point where you know we, we went away from the old fashioned, as they used to say, gospel. You know mm -hmm. we're praying and and 
preaching the true gospel without fear or favor of man. And, and to the point where, you, you know, charismania took over, right? And, and then the signs and the wonders, and we call that the presence of God. Right. And we reached the point, we reached the point now with this whole pandemic and all the, the chaos that's going on where we are so devoid of the presence of God and, and so undiscerning of what the true presence of God. That is as though God has to uh, reestablish that, right? And, and, and we spoke about yeah. David. We spoke about David. He knows how. David is a type of Christ, right? He knows how to bring uh, the presence of the Lord, right? And, and, yeah. and, and so all this that has transpired in the last, as Brother Jeremy said, uh, I don't know, what, 50 50, 30 years or whatever uh, of church craziness and charismania, you know, uh, is, is, is leading God's people back to Jesus, his true church, back yeah. to Jesus. To ask the question, man, how can the, the presence of the Lord come back to me? Like, where, where, Lord, where are you leading me? Where's your presence at? Mm-hmm. Because you have to come to a conclusion. And, and and this is an indictment, right, on on, on the apostate church, right? And you have to yeah. ask the question like David did. Hey, what have you been listening to this whole time? You've been following yeah. Eli and his sons and, 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 you know, all these other ministers, and, and there's no presence there. We haven't we – ha- we've been devoid of God's presence for years. Yes, sir. For years, Right. So the the, right. the true right. people of God will 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 begin to ask, man, you know, we've missed it, but Lord, where where are you moving? Where are you at? Where's your presence? It's always found in Jesus Christ, right? Yes, incredible, brother, brother Jeremy. What are you gonna say? Just in COVID nineteen, it, it, it has revealed uh, this this pandemic has revealed a lot, and one of the things that has revealed is that pastors. Do not since they since their churches are closed, their mega churches, whatever churches, they can no longer perform. Yet they mm-hmm. still come to you on their Zoom, FaceTime, and they have to come behind the pulpit because they don't know any other way. You know, but <laughs> yeah. it's it's right. it, it's revealing it's revealing that how empty and how not, they're missing an anointing. They don't know how to just open up. Just open up the scriptures. You can open it up from your home, from your room, if you have the yeah. word of God in you. But it just exposes that that's all they know. That's why they're so worried. That's why they're fighting, opening up their churches in spite of the mandates. That's why they're looking for forms, how to have church. and Because all they know how to do is what 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 what, what, what we're saying today is, is performance. That's all they know how yeah. to do. They don't know, and, and it's causing, and you're right, this pandemic was brought about to expose that, but also to cause people to analyze where the mm-hmm. presence of God truly is. Where is it yes. found? How do I mm-hmm. get a hold of it again? You know, how do I go back and so forth and so on? Incredible. And, yeah, and, and uh, let's take a look. Read to us, Brother Jeremy, verse 8 and 9 again. Of chapter thirteen, yes, because it kind of ex- describes exactly what you guys are talking about. That's exactly what happened. Read verse eight and nine. And David, and all Israel played before God, 
with all their might and with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels and with cymbals and with trumpets. And when they came unto the threshing floor of Shadon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. It's incredible what we see, the parallel of, of what happened, uh, you know, when they brought the ark out, when David's trying to bring the ark out. They're repeating the same thing that happened when they brought the ark out of the house of Eli, right, in Shiloh. Because there was a great shout, right, when they brought that ark mm -hmm. in <laughs> and and then and then here we have all these years later, right, when the ark's being brought out again, trying to, to go somewhere. There's this great noise, you know. They played with all their might. This great fanfare. The thirty thousand soldiers, and you know, maybe in some way symbolic if, for those who could have seen at the moment. Nobody apparently did. That it was exactly thirty thousand soldiers that died when they brought the ark out last time. It was very reflective of, of they were repeating the same pattern, but but what's but what was changing here, and I think what we're witnessing right now in our times, what's changing here, is that is that the presence of God is going to come back to the real church, but that education has to be given, like David would do, he would go. And he would study. And he would begin to realize that to bring the presence out now, after after what we've experienced here and what's actually happening, is going to require deep reflection and deep understanding mm -hmm. of the times, because that's what David did, right? What you said, Brother Jeremy, the other day is it is that God forced the ark to be uh, taken away from public view and brought and shut away in the house of somebody. That's what happened. Yes, yes. It went to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. There's incredible prophetic parallels there, again, that we can learn from and understand the times we're living in. I think what God is showing us in this story and what he's actually saying is that when we emerge from this pandemic, it is going to ultimately lead to the second coming of the Lord. But before even those days come, in order for the presence to be brought out, it's going to be brought out under the care and under the guidance of a whole new type of minister, an Obed-Edom, an Asaph, right. uh, a King David representing the Lord Jesus and his Holy Spirit and instructing and guiding us. It has and had to be taken away from these people. You see, these people that we're living around today, and the people I'm talking about is Abinadab, uh, Uzzah, and Ahio, right? That they represent so much of of, of the modern minister today, because they're gonna—they're all positioning and jockeying, waiting for that right. opportunity to right to, to to come out and and maintain their nobility, maintain their strength. Remember what Ohio means? The name of Ohio means. Uh, you know, one who looks like a brother, right? <laughs> they're they're maintaining that, Resemblance. right? They they, they want to yes. come out in this next phase that we're about to emerge from. Eventually, we're going to emerge from this uh, into a whole new world. It's already a new world. It's going to be really, really crazy what's coming. But but the God is going to have His people. But these establishment types that have been in control 
of the mega church represented by Uzzah because his name means strength, right? It's all about power and strength and show and pageantry. You know, that's what they've done with the, God's presence. And God has shut the nation down. And if they attempt to bring it out now without proper order and understanding exactly what this corrective hand is all about, they are going to, to suffer loss. It's being right, brought right. down, right? God is trying to shut it down, and he has, in fact, shut it down. Right. That's what happened, right, When it, in verse 9. Can you read verse 9 to us yeah. again, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, and when they came unto the threshing floor of Shadon, Usa put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. It's interesting what the word Shadon means. It means a javelin. It means a, a weapon of war or a short sword. And as you, as, you, as you research it out, it means destruction. It is a threshing floor that reveals that, that what is actually the sentence that God will, will pronounce on this old way, this Abinadab, Uzzah, and Ahio way, it's, it's, it's all being examined and, and, and it's been judged. And the presence of the Lord represented by the ark, right? When it got there, it says that Uzzah put his hand forth to hold it. It's really incredible because destruction is coming to that old place, that old way, that old strength, because that's what that's what Uzzah represents. Let me not run past this real quick because, again, I want to reemphasize we're talking about the parallels that we see today. And we're taking the instruction of what happened then, and we're trying to learn from it. By the Spirit of God, those of you who have ears to hear, you're hearing. What is going to happen and what is happening and what we are witnessing, though, I'm talking to the church now, I'm not talking to the world. Uh, what We're trying to gain insight here as to our times, and what we are seeing is the same thing we saw. There's There's many things we could talk about. We're going long right now, but let me see, we might even just break this podcast up into two parts, but... You know, however you do your editing, brother Fernando, if if it goes that long. But let me just, let me just interject this here. See, David didn't understand, and neither did the did the Levites and the people that gathered when the ark and the presence was reemerging, and then attempting to be brought into the new move of God, the new expression of what God was actually doing. All they knew was decades of this kind of control and this kind of leadership. So they they acquiesced to it. They surrendered themselves to it because it was all they had known for decades. They hadn't learned yet that God was doing something new and that how he wanted to be presented and cared for and ministered to, so to speak, and represented his presence had to emerge under different control, different circumstances, and due and proper order according to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And if this crisis moment, if, if out of this situation, this shutting down of the house, house of Saul, if it was going to emerge again under the same leadership who had been taking care of the ark that came to them as a result of an absolutely judged house of Israel to begin with, God was saying, I cannot let these same people come out of this and take care of my presence. And because my saints have only seen it done one way. Something dramatic has to happen in order to stop it and cause my people to seek me. 
because yeah. I'm rearranging the deck here. You know, I mean, there's there's new furniture about to come for. We're remodeling the house, is what the Holy Spirit is saying. <laughs> So, Hallelujah. So he, amen. So he puts forth his hand to hold the ark in verse nine, right? Uzzah puts forth his hand to hold the ark because the ox stumbled. Now listen, that word is very insightful. Holding the hand, hold, putting forth his hand to hold the ark. First of all, to me, it reveals the prevailing arrogance of those who have controlled the ark for decades. You know. <laughs> mm. God never needed our help, but they've never known God, and so they think they are the ones who help God. How many messages you we're going to partner with Jesus, right? We're going to partner with you know, invite God into you know, we're going to be working to get. Give me a break. You don't do nothing. That's why when we later see that come up to Jerusalem in the right way, it says that God helped the Levites, right, carry His presence. Right. He helped them carry it, right? But it shows the arrogance of the attitude that's controlled those who've been in charge uh, uh, of, of the of the representation of the presence of God in America. Same thing. But we're coming out of this. And when we do, and what's happening right now in this season, like Brother Jeremy pointed out yesterday and today, in this season, you know, because a death has come to this thing. It really has, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. But they're going to jockey and position themselves for the greatest, you know, demonstration of holding on to their to their uh, to their whole trip, man. They think they are caretakers of of the presence of God. Uzzah puts forth his hand, and that word to hold the ark up, it literally means to seize it or to take possession of it. That's what the word hold means when it says again. Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark. It carries with it that feeling of what was really on the inside of him and what the ministry in our times has actually become, just like Uzzah. It seeks to seize and possess this presence, this ark of God. That was wrapped up in him holding it. He wanted to, what the Holy Spirit's revealing there is, I have to deal with this. Because they think they control me and they own me and they don't. And the truth of the matter is, is we've come to this moment of destruction and examination at the threshing floor. And that's what we're witnessing right before our eyes. The sad thing, brothers, is that, is that the Davids, the precious worshipers, the Davids, the Asaphs, the Levites, all of them have only known for decades this control of the ark of god if you will and so initially think of this they knew no other way and they they acquiesced they took a step back and let those let those who had been in possession of this ark for all those years re-emerge with it think of the danger of this because we're headed to a new expression Something new is being born. God is assembling his remnant church. And that old way and that old leadership and that old ministry ain't going to have part of this. The only thing is, is that we haven't fully realized it yet. And we need to take this season, like the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, encouraged you, Brother Jeremy, to talk about yesterday. We need to take this season and to really examine. We cannot emerge from this the way it's always been. God is transitioning leadership. He really is. And he's giving it back to his humble people. He's giving it back to his servants. 
but we need to go away, as it were, be on our knees and, and discover what it is that he's actually doing and what it is that's actually happening. In our case, this initial tabernacle of David that would be set up, it's going to be set up again. And for those who have ears to hear, those who have eyes to see, what is actually happening is a transition. It's a, a, a resting away of, of the captured uh, representation of the gospel and, and how these, this, this, uh, this, whole, uh, <laughs> this whole backslidden system that has emerged out of it over the decades that we've witnessed will seek to, to emerge from or at least even project themselves into the times that we're living in right now as if they have no accountability and as if they have no responsibility for what has actually transpired across the nation and the world in their failure, in their arrogance, in, in, their, in their strength that is generated from the imaginations of their own heart. And like you said earlier, Brother Jeremy, yesterday in the podcast, in their marketing, in their crafted songs, in their, in their polished and practiced presentation, in their, uh, in their diluting of, of the word of God and the true gospel of God, they create a whole generation that has, has uh, looked to them for so long that they're, they're going to attempt to reemerge uh, and, and, and claim that they have the right to control uh, this, this, this presence of God. But God is saying, I've brought you to your knees. I've brought you to the threshing floor, and it's being exposed. And what's coming, you're not going to be part of it because you've been the problem. And, and you have caused a breach to occur that has brought death into the world. That's heavy stuff, man. Any thoughts? <laughs> uh, the thought that's been coming to my mind is it's one of the things of all the things you've been saying, brother Marty is it, it, look, it's the same. There's many usas today, ministers yeah. that are still trying to hold on to what God has said, I'm done with, or, or what God has said, no, that's not the right way that you've been doing it. And we still have Usa's trying to forth and fighting with everything they got. Who are you going to be, Usa? Or even though it may anger you and displease you at the moment, but you're going to be like David and you're going to search out, you know, what is the order of God, how to bring back the presence that you said, Brother Marty, is coming again. And I yes. think many, many of, we need to make a decision. Are we going to be like Usa, you know, and can and still continue to fight and revert back to something that, mm -hmm. you know, we ha we're not doing it in the right order, or are we going to be like David and search? And even though, you know, it may cost you to be uncomfortable, it may cost you minister, preacher, to lose something, but, but at the end, it may even displease you, but at the end, your heart that says, you know what, God, what is the right? What do you want? How do we bring this presence back? Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and, and I'm seeing that Usa, and it, you know, spiritually speaking, or David, at the end, where Usa was 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 um, uh, where he died was called Perez Usa, which yes. means a breach has taken place. Wow! So <laughs> we need to meditate these things. Amen. And and again, you know, uh, it's a metaphor and it reveals much. 
you know, the attitude, the arrogance of the establishment was revealed. We are the possessors of the ark. We know how to handle it, right? They said. But when they said it, brothers, the timing of it cost them their lives. My God. I remember you saying yesterday, brother, that these preachers that you've seen over the decades, you've been saying, you said yesterday, brother, for now, you said, I, it, it's amazed you that, that they're still hanging out, right? That, they're still, <laughs> that they haven't been taken out, right? Because of their arrogance and their blasphemy. And in, in they're in their leading the church down this this false doctrine road, man, and the and the distortion of the gospel and the pathetic example that they presented of the Lord Jesus Christ, a false Christ, not the real Christ. And you you talked about this yesterday and said, uh, I've I've often wondered why God hasn't hasn't done something to these people. Well, He's going to. Yeah. I think that's where we are. You know, they claim to be the possessors. They said, like Uzzah. But but what the Lord first reveals was that he is removing their control of the ark. And they were judged at that threshing floor. What's interesting, brothers, and I think this is what's happening now, is that David would come to know this. And as the Lord told me this morning, so will the true remnant, like David did, like Asaph did, and like Obed-Edom did. Remember what happened leading up to this on the other side. David had gone through a Ziklag experience. So had all those 600 men that were with him, including Asaph and Obed-Edom. They were part of that company in David. They'd gone through wilderness experiences, you know, persecuted by the Saul church, right? David was running for his life, and his men were too. Everything seemed to burn down before their very eyes, just before he assumed the throne of God. All of this we need to meditate on and think about. But 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 what's really occurring to David now as he goes away, because this is the second point, and, and we'll, we'll pick it up from here tomorrow. What does he do, Brother Jeremy, when this happens? Could you read uh, verse 12 through 14 of chapter 13? And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself, to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Praise God. And this is where we're going to pick it up tomorrow, but I want to, I want to talk about this. Because we're making our way to Asaph, believe it or not, because he's part of all this. He's witnessing all this, right? So listen, uh, what happens at this examination is that it goes from being a public church to a private church, right? The ark is removed from the public square, and it's taken to a house, and it's secluded there. It's a prophetic type, and, and like you said, it was there for three months, verse 14. That's what Brother Jeremy was talking about, that it was a season. This is the season that we're experiencing right now presence of God has been removed from the public square. Trust me, it has. If you don't think that's the case, then then just go, you know, try and walk down your friendly neighborhood downtown city lately. They're not really reporting it on the mainstream media news, but our, our nation is under attack by demonic forces. They're burning our stores, burning our churches, burning our Bibles. You know, they're, 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 they're hurting people. They're shooting police in the head. This is insane. See, but the presence of God has been removed. That's why all Israel began to lament, because the presence of God had been taken. The glory has departed. But look look what David does 
he, he brings, the ark comes to Obed-Edom's house. The presence of the Lord was no longer public. It was now being shut away for a season. To Obed-Edom's house. His name means the servant of Edom, and he's a Gittite. It came to the house. Now, this is muchly, uh, this is highly debated, what I'm about to tell you. But it came to the house of, of a Gentile. One of the men of David. He's called the Gittite. In other places, he's described as a Levite, but because he became absorbed into the priesthood. What this is a foreshadow of, and I ain't got time to go through this theological gymnastics and scholarly debates with anybody who's listening, but listen, either way, what his name means is revealing. Uh, Edom uh, are, are the people that represent the Roman Empire. The Gittite is the Philistines. Obed means servant. It's the humble servants of the Gentiles who would have the presence of God come to them. In many ways, on, on, on the level of understanding prophetic insight at this particular aspect and in this way, God would remove his presence from the nation of Israel and would bring it to a Gentile servant <laughs> for a season. See, this, <laughs> this is what has happened. You know, uh, when, when Israel fell and was judged by the Roman Empire in A.D. 70, the presence, in essence, was removed or rejected by Israel. It was removed as, uh, in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ and given to the Gentile nations of the world. And what we have been witnessing is that season that has been, um, you know, the season of the church. It came to Obed-Edom. So that's one way to look at it. But also the presence came to a Gentile servant because he's called the Gittite. This is different than when it talks about, for instance, the Apostle Paul, and it says Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus, right? That's how, That was his title, of Tarsus. He was of the particular location he was in. This is worded differently. This is, he is Obed-Edom, the Gittite. So he is a Gittite, which is a Philistine. He is a Gentile. We ain't got time to argue this, but that's what it really means. And what we're seeing here is an extraordinary a revelation of the spirit it identifies him as the foreshadow of the church it explains the profound type of david's tabernacle because who 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 david put in charge of his tabernacle was asaph right of taking care of the tabernacle in the presence of god and as we learned yesterday asaph comes from gershom gershom's mother was zipporah and his father was moses he was jew and gentile as as what we're seeing here is the removing of the presence from the established corrupted uh, uh, ministry of, of their time and likewise our time coming to the humble servants made up of Jew and Gentile, the true remnant church. The presence of God is coming to rest with us. And we're going to explore this more tomorrow. Let's close with this, Brother Jeremy, because, because that is the promise that we have at the close of the book of Amos. Could you read that to us in the prophet Amos as we close today? And, and let me tell you, uh, you know, you don't have, you know, if you don't, don't feel bad about pausing a podcast and going back and listening to it because the last two days and last several days, actually our podcasts have been going almost two hours. And, and I know many of you who have sent us letters, texts, and had friends tell us stuff that, that you listen to these podcasts, uh, you know, out on your porches at your tables in the morning, you know, and and so what is actually happening is that the Spirit of God is pouring out such extensive information right now that to, to give you a little 45-minute ditty 
I mean, I, I just can't do that. We can't do that. You know, we ain't got time to be messing around. And they might take these platforms away from us tomorrow. Then what, right? How are we going to talk to each other? How are we going to communicate these prophetic insights and truths to you that we believe the Holy Spirit humbly so is giving to, to us and to his church? The presence of God is coming to you. The presence of God is in your home. That's what happened to Obed-Edom. He was a, completely apart from this whole demonstration of the establishment. And, and, and it's cool to me that God sent his presence right to his house. God knows where his children are. Are you in the book of Amos, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Would you close? Uh, <laughs> it's interesting because Edom's mentioned here. Listen, uh, 10, 11, and 12, and we'll close with that. Chapter 9? Yes, sir. Okay. We'll pick it up from here tomorrow. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, would say, the evil shall not overtake nor prevent us. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. I don't know if you can see what, what the Spirit of God is telling us here, but there is a prophecy given by the prophet Amos that the very tabernacle of David that was originally erected at this time that we've been talking about for the last two days is going to again be resurrected at the end of time. He includes those of Edom, which is interesting because that's where the presence of the Lord came, right? To Obed-Edom <laughs> and, and to the heathen, which are called by my name, which are the nations of the world that have been swept into the church. A great outpouring and presence of the Spirit of God is coming. And notice what he said in verse 10. It would be at a time where it said that the sinners of my people, they're going to die by the sword because they say the evil can't overtake us, right? What is happening around the world right now is pure, flat-out evil, but there is a nation yet right before us, the nation we find ourselves in, those that are listening here in the United States, there is a church in it that refuses to understand what is actually happening. It, it claims itself righteous. The establishment proclaims itself as the caretakers of the presence of God, but the truth of the matter is, is that God is re-educating his people in this season, and his presence has come to rest in our homes. Those of you like Obed-Edom, servants, humble, desiring God's presence, he has come to you. I don't know if you can see that or not, but that's the case. And what is actually happening is the real tabernacle of David, representative of the Lord Jesus Christ and his church, is going to be rebuilt again. And that presence of God is coming to it. And not only that, but there will be those like the Asaphs and the Obed-Edoms and the others, uh, Asaphs' brethren who will be left in charge like David did that day when it finally came to him. On that day, it said, that's where we started <laughs> this morning. On that day, David left something with Asaph when the presence came. And tomorrow we'll pick it up from here at Obed-Edom's house. It would only be there for a season, and then it comes to the tabernacle of David. And, and by the grace of God, we'll begin to focus on not only Obed-Edom, but Asaph, and why David felt it was necessary not to return the ark to the tabernacle of Moses, but in a whole new expression of the kingdom of God. Because that, my brothers and sisters, is where we're headed to. That 
is what is just ahead of us. As we emerge from this season, we're going to emerge with an understanding of prophetic things. At a greater level, we will know the truth because that's what David did. He delivered to Asaph on that day when the presence came into Jerusalem, finally in the new tabernacle of David. He delivered to Asaph prophetic understanding and all that David gleaned in that season that let him know that the coming of the Lord was at hand. In the future, he saw in his times the future that we find ourselves in now. And we'll explore those things tomorrow. We thank you for being patient with us. We hope we have brought out some things that you haven't considered. And we thank the Lord for his word. Gentlemen, any closing thoughts today? Amen. We'll continue Amen. tomorrow again exploring because this has been uh, so much, as you said, Brother Marty, that the Lord is showing us. And uh, and it just fits right in to today. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, we, we see the parallels strikingly. And But I was so blessed when you said that. But that presence of God is coming again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, um, <laughs> you know, these are the days, right, where righteousness yes. is being restored, right, and that tabernacle of David shall resurrect again in these last days. We pray that you've been blessed today and that you join us tomorrow as we continue to study in the book of Psalm 74. May God bless you. May God keep you, and as always, keep looking up.